Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Hey everyone, welcome to Mom Jeans. Today we're going to be chatting about your kid's body image. Our kids are slammed with body image insecurities at younger and younger ages with each generation that passes. The media's reach is growing to our youngest consumers, and according to the research done by Claire Shipman and Caddy Kay in The Confidence Code, between the ages of 8 and 14, girls' confidence drops by 30%. So today we want to chat with you about how these insecurities are reaching kids below the high school age by having you listen to a firsthand account of a mom's experience with her fifth grader being shamed for his body and by interviewing author Jess Sanders of the child-friendly body positivity book, Love Your Body. This week's episode is more of a conversation to highlight awareness and help you consider the importance of having conversations with your kids about how they feel in their bodies, help them recognize inappropriate messaging they are receiving, and making sure you are modeling body acceptance even to your youngest little ones. We will continue to dive into what to do about this and specific tips in future episodes, but we hope this episode is a great jumping off point for you. And now we are going to transition to a mom sharing her story about her son and his body image struggles. Let's listen now. All right, today we are welcoming a brave mama who wants to share her story about something that happened with her son that will kind of launch us into this whole topic of kids' body image. So welcome, and can you tell us a little bit about the story of what happened? Yeah, sure. Um, So anyway, I have two boys. They are seven and 10. And um, my older son um, is not super athletic by nature. (laughs) So that'll be a little second topic I wanted to talk about too. Um, But he finally decided to play baseball um, at age 10. And it's been really hard. last in the lineup, like that's a whole separate issue. Um, however, um, what did happen was, um, you know, the boys, I think tend to goof off and, you know, they're kind of unsupervised in the dugout. Um, and it was after a game that he was like noticeably like just shutting down. Um, one night after we were getting showered and trying to get in bed and like rushing through our night, trying to get in bed. And, um, he looked at me and just started crying and just lost it. And, um, you know, his big, he's big boy, but he just looked at me and just broke down and just started crying and sobbing. And, and I was like, what is going on? Like, what's happening? And he goes, mom, mom, they said, they say I have tits. And I was like, who says you have tits? Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, they say it, they say it in the dugout. They call me grandma saggy tits and Mrs. Saggy Tits. And they laugh and they giggle. And I, you know, it's been happening a while. And I just thought that maybe I should just laugh and ignore it. But it's just been happening so much. And for so long, I just can't take it anymore. And just sobbing. And oh my gosh, like imagine your mom, little mommy heart when you feel, you know, my first instinct was, you know, having your child get bullied or name called. And, and then we brought this whole other aspect of this of the grandma saggy tits and the word tits too. I mean, it was, there's just so many layers of what the heck do I do? <laughs> and in fifth grade, does he know what that word is and what that insinuates? Yes, he does. He does. He does. I, I don't know how. <laughs> Again, who knows what the heck happens in that dugout? Um, you know, there's no supervision there, right? So um, anyway, I, I kind of was trying to dig deeper and like see who exactly it was, trying to narrow it down just to kind of see how I could approach it maybe with the parents and, you know, just kind of let the coach know what was going on um, because I think they needed to know, you know, so that type of culture wasn't like proliferated. Um And so it was like two boys that he was actually pretty tight with. Um, So it was kind of interesting. So it made it really hard for him because he didn't know um, how to react. 
really. But it was a really interesting, like, teachable moment to, you know, understand or try to understand or how to try to parent, you know, boys with body image. Um, you know, he is a little on the larger side. And for, you know, in comparison to his friends, which is what he's always comparing himself to, which is really, really a challenge with boys. Um, but, you know, we did just, you know, try to break it down for him that, you know, everyone's bodies, you know, look different based on, you know, a lot of different factors. And a lot of it is just our genes and how we are born and what our families look like. And that's going to be a strong tie of to what our bodies are going to look like. It was just so eye-opening to me to try to navigate this world with boys. I know there's so much with girls and eating disorders and, and I'm sure it's so prevalent with boys as well. Um, so yeah, so that was my story. <laughs> yeah. How does it affect you as a mom? Sorry. It was like a, a, dag a dagger in your mom heart, you know, like a punch in the gut. Um, but then I started to kind of reflect on it too. You know, what, what type of issues is this from my own past? you know, and what type of body image issues did I have growing up? Or, you know, maybe I still hang on to. Um, so I think it's so hard to kind of break that chain of, um, you know, having to be fit and thin and, you know, make quote unquote good food choices all the time. And, you know, how to like, how to not damage our children, how to break that chain, like, and especially with boys. Um, because they see really quickly, they start, I was kind of talking to a friend of mine that was like up until like first, it was like second or third, it was about third grade actually, when I started to realize he was really physically comparing himself to others, um, which was kind of eye-opening for me because, um, I don't know, you just don't think that boys care as much, like what they look like. Yeah, to your point, like when you're raising a, a female or a daughter, you're kind of bracing yourself for that moment. But I think when you're raising a boy, I think stereotypically we, we don't necessarily brace ourselves, but you're, that's why we kind of wanted to also bring you on to, to show that this is happening and it is happening with boys and it is happening with kids. And I think what's interesting too, is the language that they chose to use to bully and to body shame was like female body parts or sexualized body parts. I think that's very unique. What boys are maybe experiencing in their body shaming that they're getting from their peers. I'm curious what other maybe body pressures or social pressures that you're seeing your boys experience? Yeah, well, it was about, I don't know, about two summers ago, um, he all of a sudden started talking about getting abs. And I thought it was so interesting because I'm like, well, where did you see the abs? Like, do your friends talk about abs? Like, we at home don't look at each other's bodies and say, oh, look at your abs. Like, that's not something that's coming from inside of our home. So it was really interesting, but I think it was like through maybe TV or commercials or movies or of some way, um, or The Rock. I think it had something like John Cena. Like he, they boys are really exposed to a lot of these like really muscular. My son around seven talked about abs, and it's because it was in like the Lego Batman movie. Like Batman was talking about how many abs he had, and I'm like, in Lego, like what? Again, you're right. Boys are being subjected to some of this conversation and some of this language without us even really realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and then in terms of the, like the, uh, it's been really eye-opening eye to me as a mom of boys, um, about athletics and athleticism and how every, not every, I won't stereotype that, but, um, it's just so common that uh, any person that you meet that may be a stranger, somebody new, like when you're getting, when they're getting to know your kids, like that's always one of the first, like not always, but a lot of times it's one of the first questions that they ask is, Oh, what sports do you play? Like when they're getting to know my kids, you know, what sports, what's your favorite sport? And it was like so off-putting for a long time because we have tried almost literally almost every sport, like you name it, we've tried it, water polo, basketball, swimming, like everything. Um, and I, I'm just resigning to the fact that not all kids are going to be into sports. And just because he's a boy doesn't mean he's going to want to kick a ball or hit a ball. Um, but it was just really interesting to me about how stereotypical that was. Even I remember we were at our pediatrician's office one time for a checkup. And that was one of their questions. Like, what was your favorite? What's your favorite sport to play? And I'm like, oh, well, and you know, and he would always kind of look at the person, look at me and say, I'm just not that into sports. <laughs> well, these two was honest and not feeling pressure to make something up. 
Totally, totally, absolutely. I said, that's okay. You don't have to be into sports. Just because you're a boy, you don't have to be into sports. <laughs> you can be a computer engineer and I'll be just as proud of you. <laughs> that's very intense socialization. That's a good point. And then the social body pressures that come along with the athletic body or the non-athletic body or the coordination even, just like all the little just nuances that go along with that. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting, like within his core group of friends, um, they're all very athletic, like very active, you know, play a lot of sports, they excel at a lot of sports. And so it's really interesting, like the core group of friends that he's chosen to be with, he doesn't share that with them. But I think, you know, to that point too, it's been, it's been good for his self-esteem, like to find the other things that he does excel at, um, you know, being, you know, extremely studious and reading and, you know, computers and building and Legos and like all those like really cerebral um, activities are really his passion. So anyway, I think I digressed, but. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, because all this kind of goes back to this sense of identity of like, who am I? And that's what all of our kids are starting to grapple with more and more as they grow up. Like, who am I and where do I fit in? And that has such a ripple effect. And I think, again, when you're raising a female or a daughter, a huge piece of that's the body image piece that we kind of get ready for them to struggle with. And then we realize that, oh, the boys are going to start looking up and down at each other and start comparing each other, whether it's on the sports field or even at the lunch table and kind of starting to figure out who am I and where do I fit in as far as my body is concerned as well. Yeah. I was, well, I was just told too about, cause he'll be in middle school next year too. And one of the middle school moms said to me, well, make sure he has the right underwear. And I was like, what do you mean the right underwear? And she goes, oh, because they all change in front of each other. And, you know, for the first time he's going to be like changing around other boys. Um, and she was just saying that he has to have the Ethica underwear <laughs> because that's what all the boys like. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. And listeners, welcome to Orange County. Right. <laughs> Oh man, that's 100%. 100%. <laughs> Luckily, we already have the underwear, so we'll already be in the end. <laughs> You'll be okay. Be okay. So, how is he doing now, a few weeks, months after this incident? So, it was interesting because I, I did approach it with the parents um, of the boys that were kind of the ones that were spearheading the little choking ish, um, saggy tits comment. Um, I don't know them very well, so it actually made it a little easier because I didn't know them very well. <laughs> um, but I did, you know, just let them know, hey, this happened in the dugout, and, you know, he was really upset by it, and I'd appreciate it if you talked to your kid about, um, you know, just stopping it, just cutting it short, and just there can be no more of it. And so, and they were both really actually receptive and apologetic, and they, they did have their sons apologize um, to his face when they saw each other next. And the thing that I think is so funny about boys that I'm realizing too, is that they are just, a lot of them are very black and white. Like, you know, he, there, I thought like as a girl and as a woman, like, I feel like we kind of hang on to these situations with how we react to that person. But it was just so interesting after they apologized a couple more times after practices. I was just checking in, like, has anything else happened? Like, how's it going with them? Da, da, da. And he was like, nah, that's fine. We're all good. We're, we're great friends. We're all great friends. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that took care of that. <laughs> right on. Okay. So we're basically done with that. But I mean, it, it, it was only a couple, well, of course not coronavirus. I don't know what day we're on, but it was a couple months ago. <laughs> But yeah, I, I am trying to check in every now and then. And, um, you know, we're trying to stay active during this thing, but it's difficult. <laughs> well, has his body image piece had any repercussions? Like, did, did the words they say stick? You know, that's interesting. Like, I think we're going to have to wait and see. I really do. Like, because it could be like months or, you know, it could be a longer time down the line that we may kind of see it resurface or come out, but immediately it hasn't. So that's probably a good thing, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Not yet. It hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. We, we, we'll see if this it sticks or again with, with him now hitting middle school, what, how that morphs and changes and what happens because yeah, kids, kids experience that bullying and that body image pressure, like you're sharing at a young age and it will continue and other parents are warning you that it'll continue as they get older. And so it is going to be interesting for you to continue to have those conversations, that open dialogue. Anything else you want to add? 
I don't think so. I don't know. Did you have any advice for me on how to be a mom? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Or how to check in. I guess that's what I'm struggling with, like going forward, like how, when I'm checking in with him, like, what would that sound like? And, you know, how am I supposed to do that? I always go with kind of play dumb, like by saying I'm noticing or I'm serving. Like I could totally be wrong, but I've noticed that we were at the beach the other day with those friends. You didn't take your shirt off. Like, do you think this has anything to do with what went on in the dugout the other day? I totally could be wrong. You could just not want to sunburn, but just want to throw that out there. Um, you know, or little, little things when, you know, you're prepping him, his backpack for PE clothes next year. Like, Hey, this is what a locker room situation could look like. Like these are some of the things that boys could say if they're feeling insecure, they might start thinking like, oh, this is so weird to be half naked. So let me point out this other kid's underwear because then the tension gets put off of me. And I remember, I remember that situation. I remember growing up in the locker rooms and we started changing and then all of a sudden you're kind of aware of like who's starting to develop and who's not as a female. And, and it, it, it becomes just something that everyone becomes very aware of their bodies. And so I think if you can almost prep him or even, you know, if it feels more comfortable for like the same gender parent to have the conversations and kind of sharing like, Hey, I remember my experiences and I remember how, you know, it was for me. And this is what you could experience. You totally could not, I totally could be that crazy person, but just want to throw it out there. Um, I think it just kind of opens it up to be like, Hey, this is something that developmentally is going to happen. So whenever it does, don't be surprised. And also maybe not take it as personally knowing that this is something that like everyone will experience. And if you ever want to talk to me about it, totally been there. That's great. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being open and honest about your conversation. And we will absolutely be hoping that your sweet little guy continues to work through all of his body image stuff and gets the awesome support of friends that he totally deserves. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mama, for sharing your story and for being so vulnerable. We really appreciate it and hope that our listeners can pull from that some helpful tools and, if anything, some motivation to start talking about the struggles that your kids are having. Now we're going to transition over to Jessica Sanders to chat a little bit more about this. Off we go. Hey everyone, welcome to our interview with Jessica Sanders. Jessica is an author, advocate, and social worker from Melbourne, Australia. She is dedicated to empowering others with the tools they need to strengthen the relationship they hold with themselves and their bodies. Her commitment to cheerleading others can be seen in the values of her social enterprise, Reshape. Jessica founded Reshape with the primary goal of nurturing a positive body image in young people by celebrating them for their abilities, brains, and personalities above all else. Previously, Jessica worked at the Butterfly Foundation, where she educated Australian students on the importance of positive body image. In 2019, Jessica wrote her best-selling children's book, Love Your Body. To date, Love Your Body has been sold in 29 territories around the world, meaning the book's important message will now reach millions of children. Hey, Jess, thanks for coming on. We so appreciate it. And this is a double dipping. We're, we're recording twice because <laughs> of technical issues. So thank you, you yes. sweet soul. <laughs> Hello again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, it's a world of technology that we're in right now. I think we're all just figuring it figuring out. Figuring it so out. It's all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're going we're gonna to jump right in, and um, we want you to share a little bit with us about your book and what motivated you to write such an amazing, amazing book. Um, so I basically wrote it because I was just I was pretty fed up of people telling me that it was to be a girl was to have a negative body image um, and to not like your body. Um, And I think like all the way through doing um, like gender studies and and social work as well, just really confronted with 
um, the injustice of an issue like this. So like I'd observed it growing up that a lot of my female friends were behaving differently and, um, you know, it was leading their life down a different path. This preoccupation with how they looked and, um, and a preoccupation with their weight as well, but I couldn't quite articulate it. But when I was studying, I kind of realized, I guess all the patriarchy behind it and, and all the reasons why, we are so preoccupied with our body. It's not our fault. Like we're not bought, um, not lacking our bodies. We are trained to from really early age. Um, and I think, yeah, I've just always had a sense of justice. And I was like, this is so unfair. And it's personally taken a lot from me. I don't know how, if you added up all the minutes and seconds that I thought about my body, how much time it would take, but it would be a lot. And I think that's pretty unfair because I could have been doing lots of other amazing things or creating a lo lovely stuff. And that's not just me. That's like women and girls all over the world, you know, and I think that's really unfair. And um, even just going to the beach and not being able to like be present and like, you know, go in the water and feel the sun on your skin instead the whole time you're thinking about how someone else is perceiving your body. Um, and I just think that's really unfair. Um, so when I was talking about it, I was really just getting annoyed that people were just like, yeah, yeah, this is just how it is. And I was like, no, it doesn't have to be this way. Like what is out there to be preventing this? And what are we, what are we doing to working towards changing this story for young girls? Because I've personally spent a lot of time in my early twenties unlearning all these messages and it takes time and it doesn't ever completely leave you as well. Um, as I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to. So uh, I was like, what are we doing sort of like, what are we doing about getting in there early? Because I don't want them to have to go through the whole same journey that I did. And then spend all this labor and learning. It just seems really um, like a waste of time. So I was like, we've got to get in there early. Um, and when I looked around to see what was happening for that early, early age group, which is around sort of eight, the average age that a child will develop a negative body image, but it can happen as early as three. Um, I thought, what is happening for that age group out there? I just couldn't find any resources at all. Um, so I decided that I would create one. So it just sort of happened around the table with my housemate Han and we were just chatting and ranting and raging about this stuff as we did a lot. Um, and I think I just sort of channeled that anger into producing something productive, which was cool. Uh, so that was Love Your Body. So I went out and just like found the illustrator myself, Carol Rossetti, who's based in Brazil. And to this day, I think she's just the most um, talented artists that there is in terms of capturing the female body in a truthful and authentic way um, but really importantly that's accessible to children as well that's really child friendly so it was that perfect um, intersection of, of a medium so I was like this is perfect and she was into it we skyped and like she was on board um, and then I um, formed a relationship with an amazing designer so the three of us kind of just collaborated with me kind of um curating the whole thing and writing it at the same time whilst also creating a kickstarter because um being a uni student at the time i couldn't financially fund this project myself and i thought what a cool way to just like shake up the publishing industry and create books that should have otherwise existed but with people power we can make them exist i'm so glad that you know, the body positive movement has paved the way for something like that. So it was cool to be a part of something bigger um, and, but to bring those ideas, you know, to a younger audience. Cause I was really influenced by the body positive movement in my early twenties and that helped me a lot. So that's kind of the roundabout way of how it came to exist. Yeah. I love that you brought up um, in the beginning, how like our body image is a learned behavior because we're not born like that. Like my kid's only 18 months and He's not focused on his body. You know, he, he came out of the womb feeling pretty okay, I think. Okay. And so. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I love my little rolls and how right. cool are my fingers. They're just like fascinated by their own bodies right. and like in awe of them. And so part of our podcast is always really reminding the moms and the parents that like bringing it back to you and we really can have the positive change that's needed to really reshape oh tagline for you reshape <laughs> and reframe that thinking for our kids and so I love that you know you brought that up and your book so well it it, it does it so well so thank you oh thank you it's a good point too about the the kid is that you're reaching the kids and then there's not a space for kids to have these conversations because I know with my peers so many people are waiting till their kids reach adolescence and start 
bringing up these things. And they're they're not assuming or thinking that these conversations can start happening earlier or the impact of diet culture is trickling down to their kids as young as kindergarten and so forth. So I think it's a really good point of saying, listen, this is a conversation you can start having when your children are very, very young. Because even if they're not necessarily insecure about their body, they're starting to have some just questions about body stereotypes or gender norms. And there is some education that we can start providing to children that will kind of help build a foundation for a better body image as they become teens. So I'm curious, you had mentioned a little bit about your inspiration about the body stereotypes and the gender norms and the illustrations of being very, very mindful to to focus on and, and to illustrate all different bodies. So I'm curious, what is the kind of the bottom line message that you feel like your book is trying to spread to children and parents? Um, I think the bottom line message is that there's no such thing as normal and that, you know, who you are and what you look like is wonderful and unique and you should embrace that. Um, I do think that this idea of normal is really destructive because it's not true. Like there is no such thing as normal, um, but yet we're all striving for it and caught in the comparison trap. And it just is the thief of a lot of our joy. Um, and the three, uh, excuse me, uh, the thief of freedom in our bodies, because, um, you know, that feeling that we're talking about when we're a little kid and we're like, whoa, and you know, they're moving their bodies around and they're enjoying the sensations of their bodies and they're marveling at their body's abilities. Like at some point we lose that and that is a real loss. And I think people assume that that's naturally going to happen, that that has to happen, that we have to stop enjoying our bodies and appreciating our bodies and respecting our bodies because that's also what is the norm out there in society. But it really doesn't have to be that way. It is a loss and we're the ones that shape those attitudes and so we can reshape them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when I was writing the book, yeah, I just wanted to show that all that diversity and representation because the other side of the coin is that like we can't be what we can't see and so if we're only showing a certain type of body that perpetuates the idea of normal um that's where we get it from so to deconstruct that we have to show what we see on the street you know like what we actually who we see and what the bodies that we see just walking down the street needs to be shown in all the media that we consume and this book's a start but really it needs to be shown in everything so when i came to carol to create the art um I just I wrote her apparently the most detailed brief she's ever had but it was like a powerpoint presentation of like all these characteristics that you just don't see that are out there in the world that you know cellulite stretch marks leg hair body hair um like um amputees or like a vitiligo whatever it is um birthmarks pimples like all the things that aren't shown and by not showing them we're saying that that's not okay and so we they think oh we're not my kids not getting an explicit message that they need flawless skin and thin legs it's like no no one's saying that to them but they're saying it by what they show and what they choose to not show that is the strongest messaging um as creatures of community you know we look outside of ourselves to see ourselves represented to say you're okay you're allowed to be here you're important you're valuable um so yeah the representation was basically just combating that idea and trying to disrupt this idea of normal um, you know, I think that the, the tagline that we came out with my publisher, which was, um, it's time to normalize normal. I think that just is the heart of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know I only know this because in our first interview, <laughs> which we won't be able to hear because it's lost in space or something, you had said that you selectively didn't include the normal quote unquote person that we see all the time because it's not normal. And so I thought that that was such a powerful message of saying, no, 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 I'm like, in I'm choosing to not include this person, you know, because that isn't the average that human that we're yeah. seeing. Like right. I could only pick 15 and I'm like the average oh, 15 you know, people. That's it. Yeah. Like that was about, there's 15 characters in there. So it's like, you know, if you're going to pick 15, like, yeah, you, that, 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 well, the reason that came up as well is because a friend of mine had said, where's the girl that's like thin and blonde with like, you know, the small waist and the boobs. And I'm just like, one, she's everywhere. 
And two, that is not an accurate representation of what women and girls look like. And it's... You're like, she's on Disney. Yeah. Kids are already getting her on every <laughs> Disney movie they yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, she's the Barbie doll. She is... Um, I've forgotten the Frozen girl's name, but Elsa. Elsa. <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's where she is. And it's not really an accurate representation. Um, and it's... So it was important that I didn't include that because... Because like children are already so socialized to see that as the most desirable body that they will point out that body and identify with it because they already are wanting to look more like Elsa, for example. Um, so, you know, when now when kids, you know, I see little videos of parents reading the book with their kids, they go, that's me. And it's a normal looking girl, you know. And she's got big size and like, you know, red hair. And this girl's like, I, that's me. I'm so excited. Like I can see myself. And that's what I desperately wanted as a child was to see a taller, bigger framed girl, just like in a book. Like I would have, you know, like I learned that from early as six that I needed to be smaller and more dainty. Where did I learn that? From every toy I ever saw, you know, at school and every cartoon and book. Um, so when people think, oh, this happens in a, adolescence it's like no they've been in like a negative body image boot camp from about the age of uh, whatever wherever it is for them you say average six seven right they've been in this boot camp and so by the teenage years it's so solidified those pathways and ideas that it's so hard to unlearn why should we wait to do the unlearning like we need to start earlier but there's this weird fear amongst parents I think about introducing a problem they think that by talking about it that they might actually create the problem which is a really unfortunate way of thinking because it's, it's all coming from a good place, right? Um, but, you know, kids are smart. They're soaking up things every day. It's a matter of time, you know, and you don't have to speak about it like, oh, this is a problem. You shouldn't like your body. It's about what are the reasons that we do love our body? Let's start training those pathways like right now. Oh, as a mom to kids that are in the age range that you're speaking to, I agree that there is a fear of, I don't want to plant any seeds here, but I make sure, want to make sure I'm having the conversation. So I love the way you're just saying, you can have these conversations by asking questions. What do you observe about that? Or what's it like for you to see that? Or what would it be like if you know, this character looked differently or said something differently? And kind of almost that critical thinking skill. So I think that's a really good uh I think that's a really good specific tool that you just gave parents who are listening. Well, but that's why I like this book so much, because I think you could sit down with your kids and go, hey, let's look at some of these characters. Who do you know that looks like this? Or what do you think about this girl having armpit hair or hair on their legs that you can see depending on the age, you know, of, of child that you're talking to? But I think that it provokes good conversation. Totally. And I understand that, like, sometimes I... I think it it's a really fine line that has to be done well and and it's something that I thought about a lot because I have read some other books that are coming from a really good place trying to do the right thing but uh you know I didn't speak directly didn't say oh this girl's like really she got called fat or she doesn't like her body or like she is too much of this or that there was never any of it's all just about acceptance and celebration and diversity but I have seen those books and um I understand the concern um but yeah, I think it's really important to note that like when I wrote the book, it was just all about opening up that conversation, providing self-care skills. And it's not when you're not just like loving your body, but it's when you're just feeling a bit low or flat, you know, those ideas are really important. So um, yeah, I think there's, there's no harm. I've got like friends that are reading it to like their two-year-old boys and they're just like fascinated. Like you were saying, totally. yeah, that's right about like yeah um, you're like all the bodies and the difference and it's like well, imagine that world where boys aren't trained around the beauty ideal and so they come up you know knowing the true diversity of women's bodies and their own um as well so that they're not holding these unrealistic expectations because they too are perpetuating the beauty ideal because they're not even realizing it you know we're all victim to it um so yeah i think the earlier the better <laughs> Yeah. So when you go and talk to primary schools or children about your book, what message do you usually share with those younger kids? Um, it's usually just like I've recently realized that at the heart of everything that I do, all the books that I write and the work that I do is just about creating space for kids to feel free to be themselves. 
Um, and that could look like in their bodies, but also in what they like and in who they're interested in and, you know, um, what their thoughts are or, you know, all the, like, they're just kids that I just find them remarkable in their diversity and uniqueness. Um, and I think that's something to celebrate, but it's unfortunately something that's often um, policed by other kids, by parents. Um, and, and slowly you start chipping away and you see kids hiding parts of their identity, um, which leads to sad kids and sadder adults you know like I think we can all relate to that when we felt like we couldn't be a certain way like I experienced quite a bit of bullying in like year seven and eight and, and a little bit in primary school too because I was different um like I looked different and I was into different things like I'm not a particularly girl like feminine girl um you know I was raised in a household where my parents were pretty gender neutral so they just provided choice so I could pick whatever I wanted to wear um so it was just a little bit different and that's something I love the most about myself now and has made me who I am, but I had to fight for it. And I don't want kids to have to fight to be themselves. So I try to create the space when I go into schools where we can celebrate our differences and put our hands up and say the things that we're into. And I start by sharing my story so they have permission and feel safe to do that. And then I tell them that, you know, the change we want to see, like I've done this exercise with some kids and I want to do it more where I ask them to close their eyes and put their hands up if they've ever felt they have to be a certain way, like look a certain way or act a certain way um, based on their gender and all of them put their hands up like they have. And then I ask like, do you want to live in a world where you don't have to be that way? You can just be whatever you want, regardless of gender or um, these expectations on you. And they all want that. They all put their hands up when no one's looking. Um, so I think that's just a really valuable lesson is that they want the same things that they want they want to be free so it's just about creating that space and and then being the change agents as well that they can create those safe spaces in their schools um and then just showing them diversity and saying yeah this is all normal this is okay we're all different and that's the message that they resonate with the most they're so excited to hear it <laughs> um because you know i think if you can all remember back to that time it's just constant fear of of being different being called out um, not being included in things um, yeah it all sort of circulates around that and then the idea of normal so it's about yeah just breaking through that idea and creating a safe space for them to be themselves in a kinder space where they're kinder to themselves and others so in this episode we're including a mom's story about her son's struggle with his body the teasing he received from his peers so I love that you spoke on the fact that this is a conversation to have regardless of the gender of your child because both genders are going to carry stereotypes about themselves and about the opposite gender as they kind of grow up and mature and start seeing the world through that cultural lens. So I'm curious, as you coach parents or as parents ask questions in the audiences and they're asking about how do I handle questions about my kid being body shamed or name called or even teased with sexual innuendos or just ask my kids ask questions about their bodies. Like how do you how do you coach parents on how to deal with some of those issues? Yeah. So firstly, yes, I think just like it is an issue for boys as well, absolutely negative body image. Um the reason that I wrote the book for girls was because I think girls are valued before well their bodies before all else whereas boys can find their confidence and sense of self in a range of other things in a very narrow range of things which I think is just as damaging but um it's it's it, it does affect them in different ways but they're still victim to that beauty ideal better just being the masculine beauty ideal which is actually about being bigger taking out more space in terms of muscles and being jacked and whatever um again that's about behavior and how we want men to be in society it's about you know being capable and bigger and stronger and all that kind of stuff so they've got their own set of pressures and um a lot of pressure as well to to sort of remove the feminine parts of themselves which is so sad as well because like those are one of the most beautiful parts of being human <laughs> is being kind and caring and loving um and so you know boys have a really and hard feeling time feeling your feelings and expressing your feelings exactly Sorry, no it's so true feeling <laughs> the therapist in me is like and feeling, feeling your feelings oh, you're gonna love yes. my next book of which i can't talk too much about yet but it's all about that for boys feeling their feelings and expressing them um all those things yeah um but yes yeah, so for parents i think they have such a hard gig with this like it's so hard to navigate um and it's kind of the balance of what we talked about before about not wanting to create a problem but wanting to prepare kids and give them the critical thinking skills and the um, emotional resilience tools to navigate what is can be a, quite a cruel world and like cruel kids and 
cruel adults um, saying things about their bodies. So um, if you do, for example, have a kid coming back being like, I've been called fat or whatever it is, um, or for me it was like really a giraffe or tall or whatever, um, I think just asking those reflective questions and, and not shying away from the, the, the elephant in the room, I guess, which is that like people use fat as a mean word but it's not a mean word. It's a word to describe part of our body. Um, and if they're asking more questions about why that is, it does become more complicated, but you can help, you can always bring it back to what our bodies do for us, you know, and help and what our bodies do for us, why we should be grateful for that, why we have bodies. Um, and then just really unpack the idea of like, why, why do we people think it's okay to critique bodies? Well, maybe someone critiques their body or maybe their parent critiqued their body, but we know that bodies are not about what they look like. Bodies are about what they do for us and all bodies are different. All bodies are good bodies. So I think, you know, giving them like, for example, I think when I was growing up, my mum, you know, never, when I went home to her and I said, mum, they're calling me tall and a giraffe. She didn't say, you're not tall, sweetie. You're not tall. She said, you are tall because your dad's tall. And that's awesome. And you can do amazing things with your height and shorter people can do different things too. And that's okay. And, you know, in this family, we're really proud of being tall. It's part of who we are. Um, but our bodies don't define us, you know, and that's maybe a bit of a grown up language, depending on the age group you're talking to. But I think it's a, the point being, it's important not to shy away and pretend that it, it's not happening because that can create more problems down the track. Um, I think what was my biggest protective factor and something that got me through school was going like, yeah, I know that I'm taller. Um, and I know that sometimes people don't always like people that aren't the norm, but you know what? I'm not the norm. Screw the norm. <laughs> don't say that as a child, but do you know what I mean? In, in high school, <laughs> but in high school, it kind of, it still, I was able to find confidence somewhere. Um, I wasn't, you know, being ignored. I was being listened to and I was building my sense of self and a bit of a defiance around this narrow idea of beauty. So whatever the age group being, like obviously adjusting it for that, but not shying away from it, but giving them the skills to critically think about it and to go back and still feel proud and to navigate if it's bullying, not bullying, because um, kids will, will take that, I think, and own it, depending on what it is. If you give them this the tools to build up that confidence if that makes sense it's hard to be specific because it's um every circumstance is going to be different every age group is going to be different but those are my kind of feelings about it yeah hey listeners tina here to share with you an exciting announcement if you have been enjoying this interview with jessica sanders please make sure to check out her book love your body it's amazing the awesome news is that we have partnered with her to do a book giveaway on our social media pages. You can find us on Instagram at Mom Jeans the Podcast or join our Facebook group Mom Jeans the Podcast to find out the details about the giveaway. But hurry, the giveaway launches the day the podcast episode drops and is only open for six days. Okay, back to our episode. I think you shared a really helpful tool that maybe was skipped over, but like it's validating the feeling and not saying, oh, but you're not tall mm. because it's saying like, but you are tall. Yeah. You're tall. And of course it doesn't feel good that people are calling you names around being tall. Right. Like, like I'm a short human. I didn't realize that I was short until everyone told me that I'm short, right? Because I only see the world through my own eyes. Of course, yeah. And and then as I got older, then I realized, oh, wait, I, I am short because one of my friends was really tall and when we took pictures next to each other, obviously there's a big difference. And But it wasn't a big deal until people started bringing light to it. And my mom and I used to do this exercise, which she's such a sweet human. And if she knew that, it hurt my feelings at the time she would feel so sad but we would always do this like stretching exercise where I would grab the 
head of the bed and she would pull my legs and I'd be like mom make me grow and she's like okay honey and we did it for a really long time and eventually she was like okay I'm done and I think that was like yesterday but you know to me it's like it took me a really long time to then accept that like I guess I'm not going to grow anymore, but I feel like that's because it was brought into a light as like a negative versus like, girl, you're short. That's okay. You can fit into really small crawling spaces during hide and seek or, you know, like whatever other positive there's a ton of positives it's but enjoying any public transport or or planes that's <laughs> trains true. yeah i can pretty much curl up in a ball and sleep anywhere oh, because so my legs are small Ooh. they're short <laughs> so i think you brought up that point and i wanted to point that out in case parents missed it like validate the experience validate the feeling and try not to fix when we try to fix it then is negating what's actually going on. Well, yeah, it implies that there is a problem. Like when we try to totally. fix it, yeah, it's just like, oh, well, let's, you know, if my my mom was like, all right, let's try and shrink you. It's like, well, your tallness is a problem. Um, and she wouldn't have meant it. She wants me to be happy. She knows the world can be discriminatory. And, and she knows that like people supposedly are going to be happier when they fit into the norm, which is not the case, but like that's the illusion, right? So yeah, a child then hears that. So like when I was younger and I said, mom, I want to go on a diet, she thought Jess will be happier when she's thinner. So she supported me. But what she said to me was that, yes, your weight is a problem. So like, like she didn't say that. She didn't mean to say that. She did the best she possibly could. Um, but that's kind of, it's, it's what we say when we don't say anything at all um, is often something that we forget, but actually kids pick up on so well. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a really good example. Yeah. If there's anything that parents take away, I want them to hear that, like, when you support your child's and by saying, oh, it's OK if you want to lose weight or change your body or look differently because, oh, I just don't want you to get bullied or I, I want you to be happy. What we're really doing is reinforcing that there is something wrong, quote unquote. And so if there's anything I want parents to take away, it's this concept of we're actually really changing the language that we use in our homes here to say there is nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with our culture. And true happiness comes from body peace, not body change. So I feel like that flows us into one of the last points of like, would there be anything else that we haven't touched on that you would want to share with parents about positive body messages? I think, um, you know, we're modeling self-compassion and kindness to our kids. So, you know, being kind to our own experiences of our body image is the first key, I think. Um, you know, acknowledging that it's not hard for any of us, particularly if we don't fit the beauty ideal, which is most people. Um, also, even people that do fit the beauty ideal. It's so elusive, you know, does anyone really? But um, it's, it's a really tough time. It's hard to combat. We all have our own stories around this. So sort of honouring those stories, respecting your experience, and then just trying to be kind to yourself so that um, you're modelling it for your young person, so for them to be kind to themselves. And uh, yeah, just if at all possible, the main things being avoid talking about your body or other people's bodies negatively. Um, my mum accidentally did that quite a bit and you know, someone said it well once in a podcast and it's exactly how I felt. But when she made fun or critiqued um, a body that was bigger on the the computer, what am I trying to say, computer, magazine, TV, whatever, um, what I heard was, if you're bigger, I won't love you, which is dramatic, but it's exactly what I heard. And that's what kids hear. If you look like this or if you one day grow to look like, if even if it's your own body, you know, you don't love your own body, so you won't love mine if it becomes like yours. And oftentimes our bodies do become like our parents because genetics, if it's your genetic child. Um, so, like, that's really a problem. Um, so if you can avoid doing that and try to replace any talk about body in terms of, like, function and what it can do for us, it's a good practice for our own body image. You'll actually find that when you do that your own body image will dramatically improve so getting into the practice of calling out the negative thoughts trying not to vocalize and replacing them with positive um, affirmations around what our bodies can do 
Um, and then, yeah, not when a child comes to you with a concern, validating exactly, validating that experience and the feeling and not saying let's fix it and implying that it's a problem, but just, you know, celebrating that difference and helping them understand that the problem is not them, but the culture. Because I know that's quite a big concept for a young person to grasp, but they're already grappling with it. So helping them understand it um, will go a long way in protecting them from negative body image and, um, and eating disorders. So, yeah, those are the main things, I think, you know. Um, I hope everyone listening just wrote all of that down somehow. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Most often people are not listening to podcasts and sitting, right? I know. I'm like, if this was a book, I would be highlighting every sentence you just said. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is in podcast life, but <laughs> mentally highlight that, everybody. Mentally highlight, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where can parents find you? Um, Probably, like, I'm the most active on Instagram, which is I am Jess Sanders. I just share um, all kinds of things on there, really. Whatever I'm thinking about, something I might read, research, whatever. Um, and I also have a website and it's a social enterprise called reshape. So that's like re dash shape dot info. Um, and that's linked on the Instagram or you can go straight to the website, but there's lots of resources on there. Like, you know, diverse coloring in sheets, for example, that's something that, um, when I worked with kids, I couldn't actually find. It was just like, again, they were coloring in princesses. Um, so they were literally engaging with bodies that were the ideal while they were coloring. Um, and that's something we don't think about. So there's, you know, diverse bodies, like all the characters in the book in colouring, like a self-care poster they can put up in their room. That's, that's the same one that's on the back of the book, but you can print it off, um, you know, and, and put it up and things like that. So just, yeah, reach out, get in touch. Um, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. My well, thank on you there. so much. <laughs> we appreciate you double dipping and working with us and figuring out how to... <laughs> convert time changes and all this it's just thank you this no worries it's am been amazing we appreciate it no, i've enjoyed it i'm spending more time with you guys so it's all right thank you to our mom who courageously shared her story and for jess sanders for her amazing book and taking the time to chat with us our takeaway question for you is, what is one way that you can shift the body dialogues that you are having with even your littlest ones? Please check out the show notes on our website, www.momgeansthepodcast.com, for more resources that we will link for next steps for you and your family. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast whenever you listen, and we would love if you could rate and review it as well to spread the love. Thanks again for joining. See you next time. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast.com. And join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.